Quick throw left side, has the first down and more up the sideline. 40, 30, 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Houston. There is no offseason for your Houston Texans. Game day is every day. Now, it's Texans All Access. Oh, yes, it is. Hello, Texans. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris doing tonight's show live from the Sports Radio 610 studios. So we've taken the Hyundai Texans Radio studio on the road once again as we are inside a week to go until training camp. And John McClain is with us because it's Thursday. It's death and taxes. It's a certainty. McClain is with us on a Thursday night from the Houston Chronicle. And Jimmy Mudd, by the way, on the board yeah. tonight. Great to see Jim Mudd. Back where he belongs, and a wonderful guy, and it's great to be working with him again. And General, good evening, sir. How are you tonight? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Uh, doing well. Look, I hate to begin the show this way, but it's a sad story. Uh, Greg Knapp, former Texans quarterbacks coach, passed away, uh, died after suffering injuries from a bicycle accident struck by a motor vehicle. And Greg Knapp did not make it. He was in critical condition for several days, and I don't know how much interaction you've had with him, John, but a terrific guy and everybody around the building who was there when he was there remembers him well, and it's a sad story. The napper. I, there's nothing I can add to that. He never regained consciousness after he was hit, and he died with his family with him. Greg was 58 years old. He was, in, he was at Sacramento State for nine years, 49ers for seven years. Gary Kubiak met him out there and then worked with him in Denver, brought him to the Texans in 2010 and 2011 as the quarterback coach. And he was kind of an unsung hero in 2011 when they won that first division title with T.J. Yates as the rookie third-string quarterback who clinched the division uh, with that touchdown pass to Kevin Walter in Cincinnati. And uh, and so – uh, everybody across the NFL, he'd been with a lot of franchises, and he created a lot of goodwill. It's just such a sad time. The investigation said there was no drugs or alcohol, but the investigation is ongoing. The driver did stop, but uh, it hasn't been concluded. Uh, just such sad, sad stuff. And on a different level, though, General, I wanted to ask you, I don't know if we talked about this a little bit uh, last week, and I'm not sure, I can't remember the timeline, but Alex Gibbs, offensive line coach for the Texans for a while, been the Broncos, one of the zone running disciples. What is Alex Gibbs' legacy in some sense as an offensive line coach in this league? Because to me, when you talk about offensive line coaches, at least in the last 20 to 30 years, you talk about Dante Scarnecchia and you talk about Alex Gibbs, and then everybody else is playing for third place in some sense. But what was Alex's legacy left in the NFL, John? Alex was one of the best line coaches in history in that zone scheme that they incorporated in Denver, allowed them every year to have a 1,000-yard rusher. In uh, Terrell Davis's case, 2,000-yard rusher. He was as old school as you could get. Remember here when in the off-season program he had players – hitting, and one of the backup linemen recorded it, sent it to ESPN, and they were a big story on outside the lines, violating the rules. They never even got punished for it by the NFL, but that's the kind of guy Alex was. At one point, they had like four offensive line coaches, if you counted uh, Mike, uh, Bruce Matthews, who was there as a quality control guy. And I remember Kyle Shanahan, when he was there, and Alex, they went way back when Kyle was a kid 
they I'm told they would get into some knockdown, drag out arguments about strategy and game plans, but they remain friends. But he's another one like Greg Knapp. He died at 80, who will be missed by many. John McClain joining us from the Houston Chronicle. General, I saw you on NFL Network today. You looked fabulous, by the way. And who does your hair? And I wanted to touch on some of the big stories of the day. And I think around the league, uh, when we look at the protocols, well, it's interesting to me how there will be no rescheduled games due to COVID-19 this year. They will just go for a forfeit if you cannot field a team properly. And I'm not sure what threshold they get to to determine that, you know, multiple positives, I guess, or whatever the case may be. But your thoughts on what came down today from the National Football League? Well, thank you very much for watching, Mark. Uh, Number one, I've said from the get-go, you're a numbskull if you don't get your vaccinations. I just can't imagine what would keep a player from getting the vaccinations, knowing you could hurt yourself, you could hurt your teammates financially, you could hurt your organization, you could hurt your fans. To what end? Are you a moron? Are you stubborn? Are you stupid or a combination? It's just ridiculous. And to show you, the union is on board with all this. The union has encouraged players, get your vaccination. How would you like to be the player who causes not only you but a couple others to miss a game? You lose, you were favored, and you missed the playoffs by game or you missed home field advantage or divisional game. And that is going to haunt you the rest of your career because we in the media will let you hear about it. Get vaccinated. Yeah, do you hear, and this is at the college level, but do you hear that Washington State's head coach, Nick Rolovich, put out a statement yesterday and said he would be doing Pac-12 media days via Zoom? Because, well, he doesn't want the vax. He's not vaxxed. Wow. How, 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 how do you be the leader of any organization in any way, shape, or form, especially in that one? I, it's 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 mind blowing. I'm I'm with the general on this one. It's mind blowing. But what is what is he gonna do when he's around his players and coaches? What if he? I, cause- yeah, exactly. And I mean that. that, that- he could cause them to get sick. He could cause them to miss games. Why can't an athletic director or a school president? Tell the coach, you need to be a leader. You need to get vaccinated. You need to encourage the players to get vaccinated, or it could cost us a lot of money. Everyone's being super-duper careful with so-called forcing people to do it. But I think, John, and and I get your opinion on this, it feels as if the NFL, and I saw a few tweets kind of this extent, that Roger Goodell's kind of had enough. And he's just like, look, we're telling you, to get vaccinated without telling you yeah. that Absolutely. you need to get vaccinated. I mean, do and you sort should. of see it that way, General? Absolutely. And the fact the union's all for it. The union put out a thing six weeks ago to the players. Do not claim you don't have the facts because they're right here on our homepage, all the experts. They've done everything they can, and I just can't believe i'd love to see if cole beasley what happens to him if you don't get vaccinated there's a good chance you're going to get cut and if you're not vaccinated there's a good chance you're not going to get another job and if you are 
close to being equal to a vaccinated player, your history. If you're out there and they bring you in for a tryout and you, well, I don't even know if you can try out if you're not vaccinated, but say you could and they bring in another guy and eh, they're, you both did well, they're taking the vaccinated player. The ignorance just just boggles my mind. Well, it affects John and I too because – if we test positive, we're out. But one thing I liked about today is that yeah, if you get two negative tests in a row, back-to-back, 24 hours apart, yep. you're back in. You're right back in. No waiting period. Pull me back in. Yeah, no nothing. Because to me, John, look, not that the streak is important to me, but I've called every game in the history of the franchise, okay? <laughs> so I don't want to miss any action. And this bothered me. It bothered me that we were getting tested at all, having been vaxxed, unless you were sick, showing symptoms or whatever. But it's okay. Back-to-back negatives gets you back. Hey, in. I don't care. I've had my vaccinations. And if they want to test me every day, great, because the Pfizer vaccination, 95%. That means there's 5% out there who are going to get sick. Now you're not supposed to die, but you can still get it and get sick. I don't want to miss any time either, but I, I, it made me feel more comfortable last year in training camp, getting vast, getting tested every day. And it won't bother me at all. And I'll tell you what, it's such a big story. Every player I interview, I'm going to say, are you vaccinated? And if he says that's private, that's going to say he's got it because if I got my vaccinations, I want everybody to know it. Yeah. I was, was going to get a tattoo of my vaccination card just in case. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like go to the airport, just like, God, you know, just pull it out. Barcode. Oh, you know, put boy. it on lo- like that little wristband, you know, that the quarterbacks wear. Oh, I see. Speaking of quarterbacks, General, I just ha- I just saw online uh, on the Twitters uh, a little tiny video, short video of Dak Prescott going out to practice, and I realized, oh, it's already back. Oh, yeah. It's back. I watched it, all it, the press conferences yesterday. It's so incredible that it's back. Mm-hmm. In general, how how much easy money is it to put money down on Dak Prescott as comeback player of the year? What do you expect from Dak and those guys up north this year? I I have a candidate for comeback player of the year, Jameis Winston. Okay. Ooh, okay. I think playing with Drew Brees and playing for Sean Payton and the fact that Sean Payton did not try to get another quarterback to go with Winston and Taysom Hill. The last year Winston played two years ago when the Texans beat him, you know, he played, he, he threw for over 5,000 yards, but he had 30 interceptions. And I can't remember how many six, pick sixes, six, I think. But if working with, with Peyton and Breeze helps him, say, reduce those interceptions by half, and he's a starter for a team that is a, a legitimate Super Bowl contender if they have a quarterback, and that's who I look at. And I think Dak Prescott's going to play well. If he's healthy, he's loaded with receivers. If his offensive line stays healthy, that's good. You know, Zeke Elliott's ready to come out and have another season in which he challenges for the league lead in rushing. So they're loaded on offense. Last year, they were moving the ball when Prescott was quarterback, and then they got hurt. The key for the Cowboys, who I think will win the NFC East, to see if they go anywhere is their defense. They've made a lot of changes, including bringing in Dan Quinn and firing Mike Nolan uh, as the coordinator. That's going to be the key. We will do well, but the defense is so much better. Okay, the General John McClain with us from the Houston Chronicle. General, 
I think we know who's going to be taking the quarterback snaps next week in training camp. I have a really good idea of who that's going to be, the three guys. So tell me, how are they going to divide up the reps, in your opinion, at least in the early going of training camps? I would imagine early on that even though it's the first time since 02 all the quarterbacks are new, and the most important thing at this point is to make sure Terod Taylor is ready to go against the Jaguars because they can win that game. They can beat Carolina. They could start two and one, shock the world. Now, they're not going to win at Cleveland, but they're, they could win those first two. So he's got to be ready to go. You have to get Jeff Driscoll some playing time and practice time because he's an injury away from being a starter. And Terod Taylor has lost his last two starting jobs with the Browns and Chargers because of early season injuries. And then the guy you want to know the most about this season, Davis Mills, he's got to get snaps. He's got to get to play in preseason because once you start the season, if he's third team, he's persona non grata. And I still think, and it's just a guess, of course, that after the bye week, nine weeks in with eight left, would be a good time to play him. Because to me, if he's ready mentally, and I think because he's such a sharp guy, he'll be ready mentally, he'll still make a lot of mistakes. Remember Watson's first preseason? He made a lot of mistakes. But the key is for him this season to show Nick Casario, David Culley, Pep Hamilton, and Tim Kelly – can he be the franchise quarterback? Now, you asked me a question when I said this a few weeks ago, Mark. You said, well, what if they're five and four at the break and Terod Taylor is playing well? And I said, well, I thought they should stop the season right there and make Casario <laughs> executive of the year and Cully coach of the year and Lovey Smith assistant coach of the year or Tim Kelly because that would you talk about shock and awe based on what everybody thinks. But I think the most important thing in preseason is to get a good look at Taylor and make sure Terod is comfortable with everything and ready to go. Shouldn't take him that long considering his familiarity with Pep Hamilton. And you've got to give Davis Mills enough time to help him build a little confidence for when the time comes that he plays in regular season. General, every now and again, I do a segment with Mark. It's called Either Or. It's pretty simple. I just ask him hamburger, hot dog, um, John Harris or John McClain, and he has to pick. I ask you this, Either Or, which Texan is it more important to have a solid third or second or third year, Ross Blacklock or Lonnie Johnson? Which one is it more important to have a great year? Well, if Ross Blacklock, who didn't do squat last season, makes a big jump in this system. At 290, he's going to be inside. But if he makes a big jump, that would help Lonnie Johnson Jr. Where if Ross doesn't, and that could put more pressure on Lonnie Johnson Jr. Johnson going into his third year, Blacklock into his second year. It all starts up front. Two former second-round picks. So I'm going to say Blacklock, not just because he's a defensive lineman, but because of who he represents. DeAndre Hopkins. Mm, interesting. Uh, John, uh, John, let's get into this a little bit in the secondary. I'm looking at guys like Terrence Mitchell, Desmond King. They have some others. And I'm thinking, you know, if it works out that these guys have good years, if they summon the form that they've shown previously, 
you might have some very pleasant surprises on the back end here. What are your thoughts on what you're seeing there in the secondary as you just look at it on paper heading into camp? Mark, it's not just the secondary. If you go, and I'm doing a nine-part series on the position analysis, and if you look at a lot of the players Casario has brought here, they had a problem last year that made them available. But the year before, Mark Ingram had 15 touchdowns two years ago. Philip Lindsay had 17 touchdowns his first two seasons combined in over 1,000 yards, and he was hurt last year. And Malik Collins started for three years at the Cowboys and was pretty good. Last year, it didn't work out. Jaleel Johnson, 16 starts. So there's a lot of players you can say that about. But other than Bradley Roby, and really, since he's not going to play against the Jaguars, they're going to have two new corners. And, you know, Murray and Reed started the games at safety. Lonnie Johnson Jr. started five. But uh, they're going to have two new corners. Could be Mitchell. And if they're starting three corners, then could be King. Another guy I'm interested in, we're talking about Ross Blacklock. John Reed. John Reed. Bill O'Brien liked him a lot. He's smaller, but he's smart. He was older when he was drafted out of Penn State last year. I look to see if he's going to make that big second-year jump and how he fits in with all these new cornerbacks who've been brought in. And um, some guys are going to surprise this year. There will be players on this team. It doesn't matter what they do in camp. It's what they do first in preseason, then his regular season. And we're going to go, wow. Terrence Mitchell, he's gotten good since the Texans had him for a cup of coffee. Or Desmond King, man, I bet the Titans are are sorry they gave up on him. Guys are going to step up. The key is, will there be enough to help them be better than most people are predicting around the NFL? John, when you start talking about the Titans and Desmond King, I was actually watching the Browns and Titans from last year. And as I'm watching a game, I'm like, man, Baker Mayfield looks fantastic in this game. They put up 24 in, I think, a quarter in a series. I mean, it was amazing to watch, which got me thinking about the three quarterbacks from 2018 seemingly on the verge of getting a big contract. Josh Allen with the Bills, Lamar Jackson with the Ravens, Baker Mayfield with the Browns. Which of those three, John, do you think signs a big deal this offseason leading into year four? And with Baker Mayfield in particular, do you think he is the answer with the Cleveland Browns going forward? I do think he is. And I think if it wasn't for COVID-19 reducing the salary cap tremendously and next year the cap goes way up, I think these guys may have already signed extensions. And maybe they've turned it down because their agents say, hey, have another season. The cap goes up. You got a chance to agree to make more money. You know, all three of those teams are Super Bowl contenders. And I don't have a clue which one's going to get the contract first, but it's only a matter of time. But I think it'd be better to wait one more season when there's more money on the table. Are the Ravens going to win the AFC North? No. I'm Even though uh, a lot of people are down on the Steelers, Najee Harris is my preseason candidate for offensive Rookie of the year, restore the running game at Pittsburgh, which would help Ben Roethlisberger. They've had changes in their offensive line on defense, but, man, they're the Steelers, and Mike Tomlin's a great coach. So I'm going to pick the Steelers to win it in all three, including the Browns, to make the playoffs. Man, I got the Browns. I can't believe I'm doing it. Two years ago, I was like, man, there's way too much hype about the Browns, and then they fell flat on their face. Last year, 
First year, Stefanski, Andrew Barry. I mean, Andrew Barry's done a heck of a job building that team. I mean, with what they've brought in. But I think it all comes back. Uh, it comes back to Baker Mayfield. John, do you give Patriots, Dolphins, Jets, any one of those? Wait, wait hang on. Before before you answer that, General, I got a question for both you guys. We're gonna we're gonna put together a team. We got two weeks to get ready and play a game. You got to win this. And I'll give you the choice of three quarterbacks: Roethlisberger, Mayfield, or Lamar Jackson. Who are you taking? Lamar. John. Um, I'm taking Lamar Jackson. Okay. You know, I mean, I guess in short order, you feel like, well, he can run us to a win. But the point is this, you're picking the Browns, and that means you think they have a ton of talent because Mayfield is not your guy, right? No, it's just because I'm picking Lamar. You know, I, you know I've always loved Lamar. Yeah, you know that. Right, I've right. always loved Lamar. I love, Team game. I love to have a quarterback that can, mm-hmm. can beat you in different ways. Right. And I do think Baker's got a little bit of that. I would take Lamar, Baker, and then Ben last, even though I know what Ben's done in the league. Like, I get it. But I, I just watching Baker against the Titans, it got me thinking about what his splits are at home versus away. Right. Because the day that we were there last year, the weather was so awful. Neither quarterback, you just watched the ball flutter from both quarterbacks throwing the ball, and you know both of them could sling it. And the balls just fluttered when they got in the air, or they just took a nosedive when they were kind of on the run. I don't know that that helps Baker being in Cleveland. He gets on the road, or he gets in an environment like NRG Stadium the second half of the game when he's a rookie, and he starts slinging all over the place. So I think he's got plenty of weapons. I would put Baker – I'd go Lamar Baker. It's not like Lamar and then there's this huge drop. Right. I think Baker's right there. No, they're all good. But I, I'll take Lamar because I know that things go wrong, he can take off and make something happen. Browns had three consecutive games like that with terrible weather. That's one reason they've had one great quarterback, Otto Graham, one sometimes great quarterback in Bernie Kosar. It's hard to be a quarterback and play not just in that city, but it's where the stadium is situated on the banks of Lake Erie. And I started going there in the late 70s. And so uh, Brian Seip is on the phone and he's really upset, General. Yeah, he was never a great quarterback. He was an MVP one year, though. So what? I mean, what were you going to ask about the uh, Dolphins and Jets and Patriots, General? (laughs) Yeah, I I like what General's saying. I want to go with this. (laughs) Patriots, no. Uh, The Jets, absolutely not. They're a candidate for the top pick. And then the Dolphins depends on the play of Tua. Had they been able to trade for uh, Deshaun Watson, they'd be a Super Bowl contender. And maybe they still will if he gets his legal issues behind him. Because if I were him, that's where I'd want to go because they got a lot of talent. And the jury is out on Tua Tungavailoa. And uh, Baker Mayfield, to me, has been too inconsistent. But, man, he's got receivers, offensive linemen. Their secondary is as deep and as talented as any. Now they've got Jadeveon Clowney if he gets healthy to play with Miles Garrett. That team is loaded, and they could win the division, and they could go to the Super Bowl. And if they did, I think it would be a great day for the NFL. All right, so you have three teams out of the AFC North. Look, I don't know if you're on the record with this stuff yet, but what other division is getting two teams in, or more than one team, I should say, in this case? Well, I don't think it's the AFC West. I think there's one team, and there's a bunch of also-rans. And then uh, I think that the two from the South that made it here last year, it'll be Indianapolis or Miami. One of those two. Both were 10-6, and six, I believe, last season. Um New quarterback for the Colts, uh, really a new quarterback because two are going into his second season. So I think it'll be one of those two. No love for the Raiders? But, uh, no, no, not absolutely not. Okay. And uh, no, I saw, I read a thing the other day. 
that talking about the Broncos talent, how good it was and how the Broncos could push the chase. And I was thinking, my God, what planet have you been on? Denver's planet. Hey, General, I got to ask this because, well, we all know that you're a Baylor alum and you love your Baylor Bears who just won the national championship in college basketball, Dave Aranda in football. A, will the Big 12 cease to exist if Texas and Oklahoma leave it to go to the SEC? And B, what are your thoughts about Texas and Oklahoma leaving to go to the SEC or some other conference to be named later? Well, they wouldn't go to one to name later. looks like they're going to the SEC. I've done three talk shows in SEC cities, and I said A&M will fight this. And A&M does not want Texas in there. And I told them, when it comes to OU, they'll always be good in football. And Texas has been mediocre in football in the Big 12. You put them in the SEC West, they might be lucky to be 500. Mm. And what I told them is, we in Texas have grown up knowing the University of Texas drives the bus and everybody else gets behind them and grabs a seat and hopes the Longhorn takes them in the right direction. Now, that's all sports, That's not, and that's the school. Texas is used to getting its way. Texas is used to ruling the roost. And I told them, for the SEC, you better be careful what it wishes for. Not Texas is a great program. It's inexcusable. The Longhorns are not a top-five program every season, like, like uh, Clemson and Ohio State and some of the others. And, but that program right now is a shell of what it used to be. And going into the SEC, that's going to make it even harder. And after a while, their fans are going to be, yeah, we're getting $60 million a year, mm. but we already had more money than God. But I'm tired of losing six, seven, eight games. General, what's in the Chronicle? I'm doing that positional series, and I've got two podcasts. Another one up today, Sunday. I'll have a kickoff the camp column. Might be some talk about the quarterbacks. Guys, thank you very much. Mark and John, can't wait to see you guys next week. Wednesday morning, the General will join us, and uh, we'll get that all scheduled for you, General. Thank you very much. And coming up, who's better? We're going to do it, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Let's see what I'm brewing today. Great coaches, quarterbacks, football elements, a whole bunch of stuff coming your way. And Johnny's thoughts on his last question, A&M, Texas, Oklahoma, the war continues. It's Texans Radio. For the most in-depth coverage of your favorite team and players, check out HoustonTexans.com. 25 years. Huh, that's a quarter century. Or 300 months. Or 9,125 days. Or 175 years. To your dog. Now, for something to be around that long, that's impressive. And that's what Chevron with Tecron is. Impressive. Because it delivers unbeatable cleaning power and unbeatable gas mileage. Plus, as always, Tecron is in every grade, every gallon. Chevron with Tecron, celebrating 25 years of clean. Care for your car. Welcome to Louisiana's largest casino resort. Come to Cachata Casino Resort and play the largest gaming floor in the Lake Charles area with thousands of the newest, most exciting slots, over 65 table games, live poker and off-track betting, plus beautiful hotels, award-winning cuisine, and the number one rated golf course in Louisiana. Experience good old Louisiana hospitality Cachata style at Cachata Casino Resort, Louisiana's best bet. Cachata. 
Welcome back to the conversation. It's Texans All Access on Texans Radio. Hi, Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you. We had the general on John McClain, and um, I love, you know what? The college football stuff is fun, Johnny, when it's seismic like this, and everybody has an opinion, and we'll get to that. That's in the next segment. Okay. I did promise who's better, Okay. which is NFL world. All right, and sometimes we do vintage guys, like vintage quarterbacks yes. or vintage coaches. Always. I'm going to start vintage coaches, all right? Oh, boy. But one of them's still working, but he qualifies as both vintage and current. Who's better, Johnny, Bill Walsh or Bill Belichick? Who's better? Belichick. All right. All and right. I love Bill Walsh, but – and Bill Walsh did great things with – with Joe Montana, there's no mm-hmm. question. I mean, he was – Bill Walsh was the originator of the quote-unquote West Coast offense, which is an interesting story because it, it essentially originated in Cincinnati. Which with not Paul Brown. West Coast. Yeah. Well, no. Well, was, he was working for Paul Brown. He was working for Paul Brown. Right. Uh, and their quarterback had gotten hurt, and he just couldn't throw the ball deep. Mm-hmm. And so, Bill Walsh was given the task of figure it out. Right. Figure it out. How are you going to do this? And so that he came up with what turned out to be the West Coast offense. I don't know. Maybe it's because I've been listening to a few podcasts lately. A guy that I really like, his name is Coach Vass. I was listening to a podcast, and he was talking about Belichick. And Chris Vassar is his name, and, and Chris has been studying defense. He's been coaching defense, so he's been studying defenses. And he, he does a lot with high school and college. He doesn't do a ton with the NFL, he said. But he said, I do watch the Patriots. And I was kind of like, hmm. And he said – the things that Belichick has done over the years where he has been so far ahead of the curve defensively, if you want to know what's going to happen in the NFL. Defensively. Well, just, yeah. Okay. But the defensively in particular, mm-hmm. being ahead of the curve, but then adapting. That's the one thing I don't know that Walsh was around long enough to do. I mean, his West Coast offense always worked, but defenses weren't that sophisticated at the time to be able to kind of catch up to it. Mm-hmm. You're seeing offenses being caught up to now little by little by by the defense. Belichick was always ahead of the curve on doing those things. I mean, to walk in to the 90s Giants locker room and the defensive room meeting room and go, hey, we're going to let Thurman Thomas get all that he wants on the run, run game, but we're going to play two defensive linemen and cover the pass and take that away. And he said... Eventually, you get the third down. You eventually get the third down. You know, you hope you do. You get the third down, and then you win that way. And it did help that the offense kept, you know, staying on the field for like 35, 37 minutes a night. But the point being, Belichick adapts, I think, more and is more amoeba-like than Walsh. I think Walsh would just kept running his system. Are you saying game plan offense and game plan defense? Here's the thing. Okay, can I, can I, can I say this? No, Everybody's got game plan offense, know, game plan I know, defense. I know, I know, I know. Everybody walks in and goes, hey, we're playing the Eagles this week. They run a 4-3. They run 65% nickel. Mm-hmm. Here are the plays we're pulling out of our playbook to put in this week. Right. Everybody right. No, runs a game plan. And, oh, and it wasn't God, like they changed. Started. You know, when he first, <sighs> when, when O'Brien first said that when he got here, I think people were thinking, oh, you're going to run, run the wishbone this week, the run and shoot the next right. week, and then you're going to run. No, right. that's not how it went. You know, we all saw the offense. They ran, ran a lot of the same stuff. I Just mean, not that it didn't work, enough. but it uh, didn't work as well as they wanted yeah, it to. exactly. Okay. So, I'm going Belichick. All right. Who's better? Let's continue here. Who's better? Jameis Winston. We brought him up in the Ooh, first segment. Yeah. 
or anybody Denver is putting on the table. <laughs> Bridgewater or Drew Locke? Jam- Jameis Winston. Look, I, I think Drew Locke. You think they, You skills. think if you went to John Elway right now and said, or what's his name? George Patton? Payton. Yeah. Yeah, Payton. But if there's no Y in it, which always confuses me, and it's spelled. It's, That's what they say it is. I always thought it was Patton, but it's Patton. All right, it's Patton. I, anyway. I'm going Peyton. All right, so if you called the Broncos and said, we'll give you Winston for either one of you guys or both, they'll take him in a heartbeat? I don't know if they take him in a heartbeat. I mean, the last time we saw James Winston, he was throwing 30 picks. Okay, his, 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 but his, you're his. saying he's better. But what did your lock show you? Well, on one afternoon, he showed me way too well, much, but that was it. One afternoon. Yeah. You know, what did Teddy Bridgewater show you? That he can take uh, check downs? Yeah. I mean, he takes check downs. He doesn't throw the ball deep, doesn't challenge. Mm-hmm. I mean, now, I think with the Broncos, with the talent they have on the defensive side of the ball, Vic Fangio being a defensive-minded coach, hey, just don't turn the ball over. I think Jameis Winston would be like poison to him. Yeah. But if Jameis cuts those interceptions from, just say he cuts them in half, 30 to 15, but he still throws 30 touchdowns, you're not getting 30 touchdowns throwing, I don't think. Well, now it's a 17 game season. You might get 30 but the, combined. Yeah. But Jameis is probably going to throw, at that point, probably 34, 35. If he okay. cuts his interceptions in half, would you want 34 touchdowns and 15 interceptions? I could live with that, especially with the defensive side of the ball that they have in Denver. Absolutely. Jameis Winston would give the Broncos a much, much better opportunity. Even though I think Locke is really talented, I don't see it coming together. And Bridgewater, it's 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 done. All right, what's better, Johnny? This is not a who's better; it's a what's better. What's better, third down conversion or a third down stop? What's better? Ooh, that's a great one. I know there's context involved here. I just I think a third down stop. There. Okay, there's there's some sort of finality for the defense there. Mm-hmm. In that, if you get a third down offensively, right, you just keep playing. Mm-hmm. But if you get a third down stop, defense is running off the field. They're putting their hands up, you know, the fist up to signify fourth down. Could lead to a complimentary football play or plays. Absolutely. I mean, I think about some of the best three and outs that that we've had. The one that always comes to mind for me is in 2016 against the Colts in that comeback game after Lamar danced through everybody to get the touchdown to make it 23-16. They get the three and out, and I think it was Andre Howe who got the sack on third down, and it was just like NRG Stadium lit up. I mean, it was incredible. And that three out, they got off the field. Now they got a punt, take it down, hits Fedora, what's the tie of the game, and away you go. I think a, th- I think a, thir- a, th- a third down stop, the defense comes running off the field. There's something in that. Third down conversion, you just stay on the field and you keep going. Okay, here's another what's better, but it's a projection of sorts. Okay. What's better, the Eli Manning, Peyton Manning, simulcast Monday Night Football thing that's going to be on ESPN2 or anything else you've seen ESPN do during their college football national championship stuff that's interesting. Well, you know I love the, the I love one. the Gary Patterson, Jeff Halfley, Mike Gundy coaches one. I love I love that one. I think that one is great. I don't think they put they they don't put a lot of production value behind it, which I think is it, it gets frustrating. But Patterson's proven he's fantastic. He's fantastic yeah. on that show. Gundy is there to kind of needle him a little bit, which always makes it sort of fun. Halfley was a good addition, but they don't put a lot of value, production value in that. So it for some people, it, I, I know in the coaching world, people love watching that stuff. Some guys are like, oh, that guy doesn't know very much, or this, you know. So there's a lot of that. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious to see how this comes together for the Mannings. I love Peyton on Peyton's places. He's fantastic. 
I've not seen a college trivia show. I think that would be that. That's I'm interested to see how that goes, and I'm interested to see how the Peyton Eli mix, how entertaining that is, because Peyton on his own has been pretty darn entertaining. When you give Peyton a former teammate, or you give him Marshawn Lynch, right? There's some fun stuff coming out of that for sure. Speaking of Marshawn Lynch, did you see him announce the Seattle Kraken pick yesterday? <laughs> I did not you see did not this. See the Kraken. Oh, and of course, it's. Oh, I love the Kraken it's name. It's not a very. I don't think it's a very easily pronounced name. Mm-hmm. I, I we got to see if we can play that. I think it's clean. I think it's Marshawn. So you never know. But anyways, my point being is that Peyton, Peyton did well with Marshawn Lynch. I, I would watch that thing. I'll probably watch it tonight. Now that I'm talking about it, Peyton's very entertaining to watch. I, I think it could be really interesting with them. Because I do think there's this element of they know what the heck they're talking about. They're going to tell you um, the show detail that Peyton does is very, very good. Right. I saw Eli. I think it was Eli did a college version. He did it of uh, Justin Fields. And oh. I thought it was pretty good. Okay. The, the detail show. So I think Eli needs more reps doing that kind of stuff to be really on par with Peyton. But I'll watch that. I don't know if there's anything else that they put together. Here's the thing. And this is, this is the, the other aspect. A long broadcast. The it is when I'm watching the coaches broadcast, even though I know we've talked about Fowler, I do like Herb Street. I do like listening to Herb Street. I'm missing Fowler and Herb Street. I feel like if I pick Peyton and Eli, I'm not picking against anything that I'm going to miss out. Yeah, on. You know all I right. Mean? I got you. I mean, I can watch. I can watch that and not feel like, oh, I'm missing what Brian Greasy and Lewis Riddick are saying, even mm-hmm. though I, I like both of them. They're OK. But if I'm going to choose, I'm going to watch the Mannings and see what they got. I'm going to watch that and go. But with the college the college game, I feel like I'm missing what Fowler and Herbstreit are saying, and I, I, I want to listen to that. I don't, You know, Fowler, to me, does too much color for a play-by-play guy. And I know they want these guys to be conversational sometimes, but I feel like they do too much of it. And I thought the Monday night guys did a decent job. I really did. Steve Levy yeah. and, uh, uh, what, Lewis Riddick? Lewis Riddick and Brian Greasy. I, yeah. think they, I think they do a solid job. By the way, have you ever heard the story of Fowler? You can probably relate to this now. In the 2017 season, national championship, Georgia and Alabama, I believe. I believe that was the one. Fowler is sick as he can be. Right. I mean, he's running 102 fever. In the booth. The whole time, and he does and, it, and he does the game, and I don't think I don't think you really could know. I don't I don't know that I knew this, but I've I've heard him tell the story about that, and I'm like, holy. Andre smokes. and I have talked about it. Sometimes you do well when you're sick because you're so focused and you rise yeah. to the occasion. Yeah. I didn't do well when I had COVID and I did the game, but I did the game somehow. All right, coming up, got to get to this Big Twelve stuff. Yeah, and around the league, PFT has this headline. Anti-vaccine sentiment could cause locker room discord. I don't know. Man. Who knows? I don't know. I you know it's all speculation at this point, but it's something we can discuss. It's Texans Radio. Can't get enough Texans Radio? We've got shows. We've got podcasts. We've got interviews. It's all on HoustonTexans.com. Two is better than one. How many times have you heard that one? More than once, I bet, because it just adds up. For example, there are two, not one, great reasons to fill up with Chevron with Tecron. Number one, unbeatable cleaning power. And number two, or maybe this should be number one, unbeatable mileage. Plus, Chevron puts Tecron in every grade, every gallon of their gasoline. 
So that's two, no wait, three unbeatable reasons to go with the one and only Chevron with Tecron. Care for your car. To a child, time spent outside is never a waste. Play is a job and a serious one at that. And each day is a new opportunity for adventure. At Texas Children's Hospital, we're all about happy, healthy kids. And as the official Children's Hospital of the Houston Texans and local sponsor of Play 60, we join our hometown team in hoping that in your house, play never goes out of style. You're listening to Texans All Access. For the latest stories and videos on your Houston Texans, check out HoustonTexans.com. Do it! Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Okay, Johnny, Big 12 stuff. Uh, because, look, we host the uh, Texas Bowl every year, right? And that's Big 12 SEC. And these are the two conferences in the conversation here. And I have a lot of thoughts on this. Because when this whole thing... Thing went down with the Aggies going to the SEC and the Longhorns getting the Big 12 network. And look, they control the Big 12 and all of that. The Big 12 is going to be just fine. Well, if it's so fine, why do they want to go now? Yeah. Uh, because they see what's happening. The SEC mm-hmm. just rules the world. It's such a terrific con- conference. Yep. I think the Big 12 is A OK if these schools would do better. And by these schools, I mean the University of Texas itself, right? It's. I hate to say it, it's their fault that the league isn't as strong as it can be. They are the, they're supposed to be the marquee school in the league, right? Mm-hmm. They are. Yeah. I mean, OU's got OU. They got all this, uh, all these credentials from the last 30 years, really. But Texas has to do its thing as a national power if the Big 12 is going to be as strong as it needs to be. But tell me this, why can't Texas do that? Because as I bring up Oklahoma, they've done way more than Texas over the sure. last 30 years, right? Yeah. So why can't Texas do it? Who are the two coaches at Oklahoma? Bob Stoops and Lincoln Riley? Yeah. And who are the coaches at Texas? A lot of guys. Charlie Strong, Tom Herman? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to say it's there. I mean, look, Stoops, Stoops and Mac Brown, those two had it going on in the, in the 2000s when Mac left or was asked to leave or whatever the case might be. After, after that, it just... There's always been that level with the University of Texas. You talk to people, and the first thing they will tell you is, you know, there's a sense of entitlement about going to the University of Texas and all that kind of stuff. I just think there's been a lack of development of the players that have gone there because every year when you look at recruiting rankings, and you and I don't make that a regular habit. I, I do it probably a little bit more than you do. And look at the, the, the rankings for recruits, and what do you see? Texas top five, Texas top mm-hmm. seven, Texas top three in certain cases. But then it gets to the NFL draft and where Texas players being drafted. They're, they're not. They're not being drafted. Right. So that means that either the recruit Knicks, who seemingly get all the other recruits or a lot of the other recruits right and programs right, either they're wrong or the players aren't being developed in the three or four years they're staying at the University of Texas. Mm-hmm. So what's going on with the player development program there to, to not get them – uh, where where they need to be. Are those recruiting rankings completely and totally false? Do those players get those recruiting numbers and tags because they're being recruited by the University of Texas? I don't know. But I know this. The talent that I've seen come through there has, you know, Caden Stearns is a great example of that. Caden Stearns, I saw in high school at Cibolo Steel, and I thought, man, if this guy develops, he could be a first-round pick. He could be a top 50 pick. 
if he develops. He's skinny, but, man, he plays hard. He's smart. You can see you know, his football IQ out on the field. I saw him up close because I did a Cibolo Steel Katie game from the sidelines, and I'm like, this dude could play. And I saw him as a junior, I think, junior or sophomore in high school. I'm like, wow. Then he goes to Texas. It's a great freshman year. Just doing as a freshman what he should do. Over the next two years, he didn't take another step forward in a positive direction. Wow. And so he left. development. And so I think development is, is a massive, massive part of that. So hopefully for Texas fans, Steve Sarkeesian, being in Alabama, kind of learning the process and learning how Nick Saban does it, can see how that can be transformed to the University of Texas. And away you go. All right. Over, all right, since 2000, OU, mm-hmm. how many single-digit winning seasons? I mean, they've, uh, they've won double figures games. 2000, 2006 was a single digit. All right, so they've had four since 2000. Wow. That's it. That's it. The Longhorns. Oh, no, don't t- even. Take a guess how many single digit winning seasons they've had it's since du- 2000. It's double that. It's, yeah, I mean, it's double figures. It's 11. 11 oh, single. More? Oh, my yeah. gosh. So in the last, it's really the last 20 years because you look at the 90s, neither team really distinguished themselves, right? Correct. OU Correct. had a rough 90s, Gary Gibbs. Yep. Uh, Obviously, OU in the 80s was unbelievable. Right. Uh, Max shows up in 98. Stoop shows up in 99. And then you kind of go through the sweet spot with them. Great decade. Obviously, right. OU wins with Heupel. And Mac wins with Vince Young. Gets back with uh, Colt Stoops McCoy. Stoops hands it to Lincoln Riley. Yeah, that's the thing. The and, last two decades, they've been great. Look at, look at who wants to play at Oklahoma. Jalen Hurts transferred to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield transferred to Oklahoma. Kyler Murray transferred to Oklahoma, Spencer Rattler, maybe the top quarterback in the country coming out in 2019, was committed to Oklahoma for, I think, like two years because he wanted to be with Lincoln Riley. Mm-hmm. And now this year they've got a defense on that side of the ball where you're thinking, hey, wait, man, this defense gets it rolling like we think it can with a good OC, Alex Grinch, now in his second, third, third year. Mm-hmm. It's a possibility for Oklahoma to do even bigger things. but th- And this is one of those years where – kind of wish Oklahoma was in the SEC because Alabama's probably down a shade from what they were last year. You know, LSU would be good, but it's not great. Georgia's highly talented, mm-hmm. but you never know what you're going to get from them. Florida's a step back uh, because they've lost so much. So, Oklahoma could get in the SEC. That would be kind of interesting to watch. I think Oklahoma I mean, that, would have a so great dominant. shot That's so dominant. The Big yeah. 12 can survive, but it'll be totally different. You know, you yeah. could pick up U of H and maybe Memphis or whoever else pick one, yeah. Louisville. But – it's just going to be very strange if this happens. And the other thing is this about OU. OU is a Texas school. There's no question yeah. about it. Look at the roster people. You know, I didn't know that till I got here, really, because I never really studied them. I never had them in a game. And I looked at the roster. I thought, yeah. oh, my gosh, they're a Texas school. I mean, basically, they're not that far from the border, and that's where they get all their kids. They can't live off Oklahoma kids and do what they do. They not, live off Texas. I'm not totally convinced this happens. Because if I remember right, 11 out of 14 of the SEC schools have to say yes. Well, you know a and saying no. And I wouldn't be surprised if Florida LSU. and Georgia both said no as Ooh. well. Because Georgia Tech and Florida State, they don't want those schools coming into the SEC. And so I think there's kind of this unspoken agreement amongst some schools like, hey, if this school ever wants to come in, we're going to say no. We're going to shut them down. And that, right. So we'll see. I, I don't know. I'm not 100% convinced this can happen. All right, that's it for the show tonight. Jimmy Mudd, thank you for producing. Thank you, the general, for being on. We'll be back on tomorrow at 6. Have a great night and go, Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. 
In America, the future belongs to everyone. So we built the trucks of the future for everyone. Ford F-Series, America's best-selling trucks for 44 years straight. Built for performance and capability on and off-road. Because the trucks of the future aren't built for a few. They're built for America. Ford F-Series, drive one today. Based on 1977 to 2020 calendar year total sales. Right now at Mattress Firm, upgrade your sleep and save up to $400 on our best brands. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchase. Or get a $300 instant gift when you shop Tempur-Pedic, the number one rated mattress in America. Our sleep experts have over 200 hours of training. And with our low price guarantee, you can rest assured you'll get the best bet at the best price. Only at Mattress Firm. Offer valid with qualifying purchase. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com sale. Teachers and parents, are you looking for an educational resource to keep your students engaged? The Houston Texans Toro and ConocoPhillips have partnered together to provide Toro's Math Drills. Toro's Math Drills is a free video series that will challenge your students to math topics like fractions, multiplication, division, and place value, all while having fun. Sign up today for free at HoustonTexans.com on the Kids School Program page and run your students through Toro's Math Drills, presented by ConocoPhillips. Go Texans!